0: Dear listener this is interfaith ish I'm your host Jack Gordon and every other Wednesday right here on Tacoma radio we bring you bold conversations about what we believe why we believe and how we navigate the common ground and and differences between our traditions dear listener as I did last episode before we get into our conversation for this week I want to alert you to a special series I've been doing all this month over on Instagram each evening I've been inviting friends from all sorts of backgrounds, many of whom have been guests on this show, to join me in short conversations exploring one of the most beloved books of the Baha'i Faith, The Hidden Words by Baha'u'llah. The Hidden Words are made up of brief poetic passages written in a gorgeous Sufi style that talk about love and justice and our relationship with the divine and with each other and ultimately with ourselves. And I've been having such a great time with this series and hanging out with all my friends. And tonight, March 31st, is going to be the very last installment of this month-long series. So if you're on Instagram, I invite you to join us. Just follow at interfaithish, and I'll see you on Instagram live tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. All right, on to the show. As you may know, dear listener, this week we are at an interfaith intersection, a cloverleaf on the religious festival superhighway. We got off the exit at the spring equinox and Nauru's and found ourselves merging right into Passover, Holy, and Holy Week, which culminates with Easter. And that's why, dear listener, I'm happy to be joined this morning by Jonathan Lewis, Assistant Secretary for Pastoral Ministry and Social Concerns for the Catholic Archdiocese of Washington. And Pundit Naveen Krishna Das, a religious teacher with ISKCON DC, which is part of the Hindu group popularly known as the Hari Krishnas. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Naveen.
1: Good morning, Jonathan.
2: Good morning,
0: Jack. Good morning, Jack. And happy Holi and happy Easter in advance.
1: <laughs> Same to you. Great.
0: Well, Pandit Naveen, I want to begin by um, saying to you in particular, thank you. Uh, you and I met a a little over a year ago at the 2020 DC Interfaith Leadership Summit, an event that Jonathan actually helped me organize back when we were first getting it going, uh, back in the day, a few years ago now. Um, and I had since passed on the reins from that program to others and was just stopping by to see how Things were going at the event that year, and rather spontaneously, I decided to join a session that you were leading about meditation, and I'll say that I never considered myself a particularly good meditator, even though it's supposed to be part of my practice as a Baha'i, but something about the way that you presented that evening totally changed my relationship with meditation, and I walked out of the event, um, which actually happened on the eve of the start of the Baha'i month of fasting that year. I left it with a, a totally new commitment to deepening my practice of meditation. And uh, then the pandemic hit, of course, uh, with the lockdown about a month later. But by then I'd been building this practice. Um, so I feel like I've had this sort of spiritual armor with me this whole past year to protect me from um, the type of terrible an- anxiety and, and fear that uh, that so many people uh, have have experienced. And in fact, I I even actually led a meditation session myself for students at Georgetown University just a few weeks ago, something that I I feel like I never would have myself done more than a year ago. And it's uh, really largely been thanks to what I learned in your session. So I just want to say thank you.
1: Oh, wonderful. I really appreciate that.
0: So, uh, Naveen, could you tell us a little bit about... um, where you grew up and how you chose to be a, a Hindu priest was it always something you wanted to do?
1: Oh, uh, By default uh, by default yes, but uh, since uh, I was born in a traditional Hindu family and uh-huh. Hindu parents were their. there Children to be either doctors, engineers, or computer <laughs> scientists. So definitely not. Uh, uh, would, uh, when we are born, if a son is born, his responsibility is to become his, to go to trot the world, and to give something new in the world, in the science world, uh-huh. uh, like that. So definitely, my dad wasn't happy at all if if the path that I chose. Oh, always uh, but,
0: the pressure there one way or the other
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, to be a son in a indian family is is carrying a lot of pressure it's a lot of responsibility especially if the eldest in the family you have to, you're supposed to take care of the you know those other siblings who so are younger than you so you have to be like a role model you have to be an example so that's a lot of pressure on you so but, how did uh, how did
0: you uh, choose choose this path then? What what made it so that you wanted to pursue that, that type of confirmation?
1: Yeah, so I remember very well uh, when we had uh, uh, some events at home, just like a birthday ceremony or different types of events. We have some priests that are being invited to perform certain religious uh, rituals, and I used to ask questions. So. Uh, once uh, one priest got so upset at me of me asking questions, then the priest told me that uh, one day you have to, you have, you why, why don't you yourself go and practice these uh, spiritual practices and learn and find the answers yourself? So that uh, that really hit me back in my heart. That so then I I was very resolute that one day I'll really study the scripture and become a priest and uh, teach that to other people. So that was very very young. That I was like maybe like six years old, like that. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So this is, was one of the that even that marked my life. And the other event, uh, much more later, when I was like nine years old, uh, I, I I tried. I happened to to uh, save some pocket money, and uh, I happened in a situation. situation. I happened an old lady. I I had uh, lunch. I bought a, bought her lunch, mm-hmm. and after doing that, I felt so much an immense pleasure in my heart. Then, from that day, I realized that you feel more happy when you give than when you receive something mm-hmm. from others. Mm-hmm. So these these are two really two uh, uh, instances that really marked my life and shaped my you know my career. Uh, in the future,
0: you were, but... you were wise beyond your years at a young age. <laughs> well, John, Jonathan, I want to also ask you. You've worked in the in the Catholic Archdiocese for as long as I've known you, and before that, you were at Catholic University in, in my neighborhood of Brookland. Um, were you the type of kid that was always eager to be at church and excited to be involved, helping at uh, Mass and so forth?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I grew up on a small farm in in Northeast Kansas, and um, there's a phrase that, that Thomas Aquinas, the philosopher <laughs> says, which is that grace builds on nature. And, you know, I think we were just kind of good yeah. kids in a good family, um, and, you know, surrounded by some of those Midwestern values of, of hard work and responsibility. And, um, certainly that, that regular practice of, of faith, you know, we never missed mass on Sundays. Um, we weren't necessarily doing a lot of daily prayer at home that was extraordinary, but I think those sort of rhythms of life really, um were set in and I was surrounded by you know a wonderful community of people that that really supported me. I had a, a number of, of mentors, spiritual mentors, my older siblings, um people at church, uh, my my parents and role models that um just sort of was a constant invitation to to become more involved and and was blessed with opportunities to use my own gifts to volunteer um kind of like Naveen was saying that you know there's there's a a desire to give and to be generous and and that's often rewarded and so um yeah you know i I did always have that desire to do to do some good and i didn't necessarily know what shape that was going to take um but certainly i've been graced with the opportunity to to work in the church and to to help people and and, on their spiritual journeys
0: well i love that i i didn't mention um at the beginning naveen you grew up in in mauritius right Yeah. So, so pretty much as far away from Kansas as you can possibly get. Um, and yet, uh, an alignment (laughs) (laughs) in terms of these, these, um, two young boys, you know, moving through the world and, and, uh, having those confirmations early on that uh, you know life service is worth pursuing. So that's beautiful. that's really beautiful. So uh, Naveen, I, I wanted to come back to the value of meditation and some of the lessons um, that you shared when we first met. Would you tell us a little bit about how you've grown to see meditation as an important tool for both our spiritual and psychological well-being, particularly during this uncertain time that we're experiencing?
1: Yeah. So, uh, first of all, uh, uh, I would like to add that uh, the sacred scriptures uh, are. This is where we draw our inspiration, and uh, all the techniques that I've been practicing is from the sacred uh, scriptures, like the Bhagavad Gita, the Shrimad Bhagavatam, and the Vedic literatures. And uh, the in meditation is a very natural component of a human being. We always try to meditate. If you go to the sea, and you see the sunrise, there's a sunset, really enjoy that moment. And the most important aspect of meditation is to live in the moment. People usually are either have, are preoccupied by thoughts about the future or about the past. So meditation technique is, base, is basically trying to bring your attention and your consciousness to the present moment and to live your life fully in that moment and really, and really feel that. Because we, the whole nature is giving, you know, God is a giver. God, spirituality, we have to know how to receive that mercy, uh, that beauty of nature and of God's creation. So I'll just sum it like that. For me, meditation is a very natural component of my very self.
0: Are are there um, particular... Uh, uh techniques that that you've found in your own education as you've deepened in in your meditation that that you find to be uh, particularly fruitful in that practice
1: yeah so especially in this uh, time of pandemic where people are confined to their houses or they have restrictions on their actions and uh, that builds some certain level of stress right in people's lives so they are like Either they are glued on the TV or on the phone and all those different aspects. But uh, uh, one thing is, uh, one technique of meditation is to, to discover because uh, people uh, minds, we have a tendency to to be inquisitive. So inquisitiveness is a natural uh, component of ourself. And if to inquire about spirituality, to it's a time for us to look within us, because we are so uh, uh, so surrounded by things that take so much from us in terms of energy, in terms of uh, you know time. So at least during the time of confinement if we i've encouraged people through the uh, social media we have sessions like meditative sessions yoga sessions that have been running uh, throughout this uh, covid pandemic uh, time and we had been uh, really uh, especially the morning time you know, in the morning, it's very, the moods, people in the mood of goodness, usually when we wake up, yes. right, we don't feel like waking up. So so the energy that uh, meditation techniques and yoga techniques can bring in you, is that's really, uh, really, really lots of positive energy that, because in a pandemic situation, people are scared. Uh, people, uh, you know, lots of stress is there and they don't know, they're very uncertain about the results in the future. So once, one thing is to teach, to, uh, meditative techniques is to teach us self-control, self-control, self-control by self What I mean to the level of mind, like in the Bhagavad Gita, it's explained in, in Bhagavad Gita chapter 6, verse 6, that the mind can be our worst enemy, but our mind can be our best friend as well. So that's the whole idea of uh, meditation.
0: And it's interesting to, to hear you say that uh, rather than um, issue uh, social media, you've embraced it as, as a tool actually to pursue these um, uh, uh, practices. So that's interesting to, to hear about. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, uh, for you, I, I'm curious to hear uh, your own reflections on these ideas that Naveen was talking about um you know the isolation and so forth because obviously uh the catholic community it's a very social community um you've got you've got a, a very robust set of programs that uh that you're intimately involved with um there at the archdiocese so how, how have you been feeling um particularly going through lent uh this year as we're as we're one year into the pandemic did you set any goals for yourself to focus on in terms of your own spiritual growth
2: yeah, and thank you, Navin. Those were wonderful reflections that I was taking some notes on. Um, I, you know, I think for me and and for many Christians across the the probably across the world, there was a a bit of a of a sigh of like, wait, more Lent. It, it, so many people had expressed that they feel as though <laughs> since since the pandemic began around Lent last year, um, that we've sort of been living in a year long season of Lent. Um, mm. Right? Maybe there's. Yeah, you know, lots I'm of layers referring. of of personal desolation or sadness. But, you know, I think, I think it has caused uh, the need to really sort of step into it in a new way to really choose it as opposed to just having it fall upon you. And then that's, that's a different spiritual work. Um, I, I know personally, you know, I, I've always tried to sort of give something up that sort of aesthetic practice to practice um, that, you know, self control, like Naveen said, or self mastery, um, by giving, giving something up like sweets or limiting alcohol and things like that, just to, just to sort of remind you in daily life that you can give things up. The practice of introducing fasting on a regular basis as well is certainly um, rich in our, in our Christian tradition um, as well as others. Um, but also to take something on, that we're not just letting go of things, but sort of filling those spaces that we might have formerly with with sort of doom scrolling, <laughs> filling them with good things. Um, that sort of remind us of who we are. And so that's where I think meditation comes in, that commitment to daily prayer um, and, and trying to find new rhythms of life, you know, that as people are doing more work from home or balancing so many different responsibilities during COVID, sometimes the routines that worked a year ago just can't work anymore. And so I know for me, I've tried to sort of choose the the lunchtime or middle of the day to be a, a time of prayer for me, because when I get up in the morning, it's, it's help with the baby mode. Uh, And that those early morning coffee, you know, prayer and meditation time just is, is, you know, with one cup of coffee and a kid in the other hand. Right. And so it can't be that same thing. Um, But I do think it's, it's an opportunity to, to enter in a new way.
0: Well, John, Jonathan, um, I'm curious also how such a big institution like the archdiocese organizes church life uh, during this time of the pandemic, especially at, at Easter, as we, as you know, um, folks would be getting together for large celebrations and um, time at the church. How 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 has the uh, the archdiocese been been guiding your church communities?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I I think in our Catholic tradition, we have a great sort of organizing structure to us. And so at the heart of of the Archdiocese, what what is sort of this big organization, at the heart of that are all of our individual parishes and school communities. And so we have 139 parishes and 91 schools in DC and the surrounding areas of Maryland. Uh, And that's really where this type of ministry and outreach happens. You know, that's where people gather on Good Friday to to commemorate the death of Jesus. That's where people will gather on Sunday to celebrate Easter. Um, And so that's felt very different in different jurisdictions in Maryland. You know, In Southern Maryland, the the case rates haven't been as high. And so people I think have felt more comfortable coming back earlier. Um, In other parts of uh, Montgomery County and Prince George's County, um, there have been some people who have been a bit more tentative, especially depending on the different cultural families that people belong to. Um, but I, but I do think our, many of our parishes have been so creative in outreaching um, and inviting people in, in new ways and doing some things outside, you know, offering prayer and confession, um, for people in sort of a drive-through manner, or some people have had, uh, drive up church services where people stay in their cars and can either listen in or, or participate in some way. Um, so I think there's been some creativity that's, that's invited us there. And I also think, you know, at, at the heart of our, um, Christian faith too is, and, and many religious traditions, is the value of the family. You know, um, the family is called the domestic church or, or the home church. It's the foundation building block of, of of religious practice. And so it's also, I think, invited people to not forget that even if you can't be in church, we can still practice our faith um, in in our daily lives.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm glad that there's there's been um, a... a... An adaptation to it, like you said, the creative uh, opportunities to to think differently about still getting a, a a quality spiritual experience that that invites community, even if uh, it's not the same as uh, a massive mass <laughs> with everybody. Yeah, and I, and I
2: should add that you know I think a lot of people are there is a sadness of not having that right. There's there's a, a beauty in gathering shoulder to shoulder with people and. Um, I think people are are hungry for that as we can continue to to grow into that in the coming year.
0: Naveen, so this week is also the Hindu festival Holi, uh, which listeners may know from seeing folks with colorful paint dust all over their faces and clothes. Um, But aside from uh, generating fun Instagram content. Uh, what is this celebration of color about uh, for you? And, and how has your community, like Jonathan was saying, been, been adapting to practice while we're still socially distant?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with uh, Jonathan. That's what he, what he mentioned about the family unit as being so strong in preserving our culture. And uh, connecting to that, since my childhood, we've been playing holly. It was the first festival of colors and joy when we forget all enmity I mean, among people and we come to add together, the same platform, with love, a celebration of love. Uh, this time, uh, holy in D.C., was, we, ha- we were used to welcome like 5,000 people every year playing holy in our uh, church area arena. Uh, but this, of course, with the pandemic, that's, that's practically impossible. So uh, we didn't do much, but we did... Host a festival on that day, uh, but we with crowd control. We didn't ex- We didn't on uh, un- up an invitation. We and we encourage people to join online more to, uh, for the celebration. So, uh, but but I will just try to uh, mention here that in India, certain places as well, they instead of using the color. Uh, they used flowers, so instead of uh, foreign colors, which was like more, uh, you know, more dangerous for this pandemic situation. So right, they used right. flowers, which was more, uh, you know, adaptable to the situation right. and more safe. So people were wearing their, uh, their keeping of a dis- social distancing and wearing a mask, and they could still participate in that festival and enjoy themselves. You know, so uh, the concept behind the uh, holly is actually. Is uh, uh, the in, in our tradition we have the the God in the male form and the female form as well. So the energy of the Lord, uh, the loving exchanges, uh, is represented by uh, this festival. Compared to the nowadays in this age where people have different uh, uh, connotations of holy, but actually it's it's a celebration of love. Um, ex- loving exchanges and uh you know uh beyond any type of uh, restrictions uh, regarding race color and creed so that's a universality and the beauty of this celebration
0: that's a beautiful theme to to reflect on during this time and um i I like what you said about about uh adapting to to uh throw flowers <laughs> yeah in <the> <laughs> instead of the paint i think that's a that's a uh, it's a neat uh a neat idea if there's a way to figure out doing that sustainably um i think that's that's a that would be such a, a lovely image to to joyfully yeah. run around and, and toss flowers with each other um so you you also interestingly teach at a jewish school and so i'm curious about that experience and how you've learned from that type of interreligious engagement um especially you know considering this week you're you're on vacation i think as as uh, the school yeah. is celebrating passover and it intersects with holy How, how's that experience been for you um being at the jewish school
1: yeah this is what my one of my uh best experience i had uh, in teaching in my field so uh I really enjoy the the morning prayers when I enter the school. The whole atmosphere is very spiritual, with all the kids praying in the morning. And that reminds me of uh, India as well, where in the schools they pray in the morning. And uh, I think that set up uh, the whole uh, the learning experience, a different learning experience when you pray. The mood of receiving knowledge is much more in a mood of goodness, and receiving knowledge in the mood of goodness that stays with you forever. That experience is very special, and you, rem- and, and you remember that always. And that's, that takes very uh, the dear post that touches your heart in the very uh, and keeps and, and you're able to keep that. The rest of your life. So that was a very, uh, very nice experience I had teaching there, and uh, the students as well. Uh, you know, the respect is if we don't the respect that they have for the teachers and uh, uh, teachers also, they are in a more better situation of, of, give, of giving their best. To their students and uh, and making the best out of this uh, teaching experience. So, uh, as far as Passover is concerned, it, it's 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 interesting how many festivals are in the Christian tradition, in Jewish tradition, all over the world. They have even in the uh, the Ramadan Ramadan starting the fasting, the Ramadan festival starting. Right. It it really coexists There's a really wonderful coexistence of uh, of. A symbiotic, or I would say symbiotic uh, relation between different souls because every soul, if you consider all these souls in this world, uh, they are like uh, uh, it ta- gliding. Actually, we have a journey, right? We are a spiritual, everybody has a spiritual journey, and we can really learn from each other and take and be inspired from each other. I think uh, that's that's a way. If everybody try to look in this way, lots of uh, of uh, things like uh, bad stuff, like war, you know, uh, racial racialism, and all these type of thing can be removed from the surface of the earth if we really try to inspire each other in the spiritual path.
0: That's right. And, and uh, to clarify, you're, you're not a religious teacher at, at, the, at the Jewish school. What, <laughs> what, what is your area? I, I am an algebra teacher. I teach math. All right. Okay. So there you go. You're making your father proud then. You're, <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. Circled back around to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious. Do you ever invite your students to, uh, to throw the, the holy colors at each other in the classroom?
1: Could be oh fun. that's uh, <laughs> actually that's that's impossible that's not allowed the uh, restriction at least <laughs> especially in this situation where we are in, in the pandemic so
0: maybe it's hard yeah maybe and, maybe when things come back during recess sometime. the normal
1: yeah maybe we can organize something <laughs> like that.
0: In the first part of our program, we heard about our guests' uh, projects and work and, and, and life perspectives and, and traditions. This, uh, this second part of the show, um, We, as we do every episode, uh, we take the time to uh, turn the mics over to my guests for them to ask some questions of their own. And so I'm very happy to uh, turn the mics over to Jonathan and Naveen uh to see if you all have any questions that you'd like to follow up uh, with each other about uh
1: yes Jonathan uh it was a pleasure meeting you and um, i would I really want to know about uh the your experience uh, uh, for the Passover period uh in relation to uh the different uh, uh people around in your congregation how how does it go and especially in this period of pandemic.
2: So yeah, so the structure of of Holy Week in the Christian tradition. Um of course the the Jewish celebration of Passover aligns with the Christian celebration of Holy Week because Holy Week commemorates that last supper of Jesus before he was handed over to death and then rose from the dead 3 days later on on what we celebrate as Easter Sunday. And so, you know, Holy Week is 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 called holy because it's the holiest for Christians, the holiest days of the year, sort of really saturated um, with expectation, um, and with spiritual meaning, and uh, it really begins the celebration, uh, the Sunday before Easter. So let this past Sunday, which we call Palm Sunday, which in uh, the Christian scriptures celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem, um, that most important city for the Jewish people, uh, to for you know his disciples understanding to celebrate Passover, uh, there, um, and then for us we you know we mark. Um, we sort of walk alongside jesus in in those steps of holy week and so um today uh on on wednesday in in some traditions it's called spy wednesday kind of uh, kind of like the spy museum downtown dc um because uh judas judas iscariot you know um was this was spying on jesus and handed him over to death on on that wednesday before and then tomorrow we'll celebrate holy thursday which celebrates the Last Supper when Jesus gathered to celebrate Passover and give a new covenant or a new tradition. Um, then on Friday, we have uh, very simple services. It's um, actually the only day of the, of the year that Catholics don't celebrate mass or we consecrate bread and wine um, because we commemorate the passion and the death of Jesus. And then there's sort of a great silence on Saturday, Holy Saturday before um, that evening, the Easter vigil, and then the day of Easter Sunday um, we'll have large celebrations and mass um, with really beautiful rituals of, you know, lit candles that everyone holds through the whole church, the lights being thrown on, um, loud singing and bells sort of to celebrate and mark that we're entering into a new birth, uh, a new resurrection of Jesus. And then we celebrate oh, yeah. that Easter season of joy for 50 days.
1: Uh, that's very beautiful. Uh, it's For me... Um... Uh, I may remember, like uh, uh, from my childhood, I remember my friends they were fasting uh, for that period. So it means like uh, fasting is a very essential component of your practices during this period, right?
2: Yeah, for the, for the, in the for the Catholic tradition, um, fasting during throughout the whole season of Lent is part of the practice, uh, and and that primarily happens fasting on Ash Wednesday, that first day of Lent. And then Good Friday, um, the, the this upcoming Friday days before Easter, um, as well as abstaining from meat on Fridays. And so Friday is a special day of fasting, but many incorporate little acts of love or fasting throughout the whole week.
1: So the, the fasting, when you say abstaining from meat, it means that uh, you get to choose what to abstain from, or they have the, a list of uh, items that you have to be abstaining from the whole week or like that, or for the whole month?
2: So yeah um the only the only sort of requirement is to abstain from meat on Fridays during lent um and so otherwise I th- many many catholics and christians sort of abstain from something else or or something else throughout the whole season of lent so um, for many people it, sometimes it's as simple as chocolate um but takes on different meaning for each person
1: well so that's the liberty we are given to that we ha- we can choose from which things we can abstain from right exactly yeah. I'll, st-
0: I'll step in and say, you know, Jonathan, uh, I, I heard recently uh, from Father Jim Martin up in, in New York, I heard an interview with him where he said that his Jewish friends in college started um, saying, you know, why do you get to choose what you give up for Lent? We should be the ones that choose for you what you give up. And so they have a schedule where every year they pick the things that he gives up. So, you know, if you're game... I could just pick what you give up for for Lent every year. <laughs> you know,
2: you know, I, I don't think that's a terrible idea in terms of making sure that we don't go a little bit too easy on ourselves. I, you know, being being married, there's a little bit of that inbuilt um, accountability. And so,
0: Ooh, that's um, that's that's dicey, man. If you start doing that with your wife. choosing what each other is going to give up. (laughs)
2: Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you just ask recommendations of what your partner, you know, recommends you giving up. But, you know, often they have such great insights, you know, things that you maybe don't don't want to do or don't have the same awareness of. So I think that's a good that's a good practice and and just speaks the importance of community. Right. We can't we can't do it alone. And so we need we need those people in our
0: lives. Jonathan, do you have questions for, for Naveen also?
2: yeah I do you know i i I just so enjoyed the beginning um Naveen of your reflection on meditation and I guess I was saying i was I was writing down some notes on it because i you know I think that for different spiritual traditions meditation might be oriented in different ways, but sort of where how you start or how you build that awareness and practice involves sort of working out those those same spiritual muscles um I, I'm curious how you have helped other people in your in your community really focus on meditation in such a busy world. I think people just feel overwhelmed, especially having a phone in their hands that they're constantly connected to emails or to noise and music and podcasts. What tips or recommendations you have uh, for meditation?
1: Yeah, so I do a bridging work. I call that bridging work It has to connect to the person. That's very important. And uh, to be a good listener. A good meditator is a very good listener. We have to be able to listen to connect, so once we listen, yeah yeah patience is there, yeah, so once you listen patiently and connect to the person because everybody has something going on, and they want somebody to listen to them and then, and most of my in my career as a priest i've been i've been i've been always there for them to and to listen to them and then uh, gradually uh, they have a solution for uh, they they're looking for some solution and then this is where i come in and i present the different techniques of meditation and it's a very natural way just like um just like uh, in this world there's seasons changing we have uh, winter summer we can feel cold and warm right it keeps changing so naturally we will have uh, happiness and distress it comes and goes naturally so i I, my job is, I really, I want to make that as smooth, as smooth as possible for them, that it's naturally, just like distress comes naturally, uh, stress comes naturally, but it can go away naturally, so that's, uh, that's what I, I want them to feel, that's this meditation, is very close to you, it's part of you, it's a natural process of you, of your mind to get, to get through cleansing, that's like, if, we, our, if our, our body is dirty, we take a bath, we clean our body. But how would you clean your mind? That's the point. How, would you, how can we clean our mind? We, don't have, we, can't, we can't go in our mind and clean with a spray or something. Or, <laughs> we can't do that. So the, the meditation is a way to actually, to, for the breathing technique, is to cleanse our mind and be, well, be fresh again to go on our, with our daily activity or our lives so
2: yeah that's that's really beautiful i think during COVID, i think there's been a just an increased awareness of the the integral sense of the human person right we're not just bodies we're not just spirits we're really integrated whole persons and so i don't know how you how you reflect upon that you know i i hear a lot of that coming through in terms of your your body work and how it impacts your meditation and um, Jack, you had mentioned sort of the psychological impact, of course, that's a part of us, um, yeah. too, that meditation touches on. But is that true, N- Naveen?
1: And 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 I'm I'm more concerned about. Uh, Teach people how to breathe as well. Breathing is very important for us. Most of the people they breathe half, they don't have a full breathing technique. Inhaling and exhaling is quite can be quite powerful if you meditate on one our breathing techniques. And that is what was that's one part of the yoga techniques that we teach people how to breathe. And simply by doing these simple exercises, people concentration increased and uh, their willpower increased and the appreciation for who they are also that's that feeling appreciation also increased so so there's a lot to say about breathing but uh, the, how to connect ourselves with with what we have this body is a blessing uh, this is a blessing from god right and we have to use this vehicle it's like a vehicle and we have to make the best use of it but unfortunately, in the um, industrialized world, in this, um, a race is that's happening in the world. Um, this material race, I can if we can say so, people are lost, and and they they misuse and they abuse this gift from God. This body of ours. So that's how, in our tradition, we we try to uh, raise a conscious conscious of people to start thinking that. This, this body is part and part. This soul, actually, the body, the soul is connected. There's a connection. And we are part and parcel of God. Just like I remember from the Bible, I, I draw my inspiration from a lot of scriptures all around the world. And uh, one interesting part of the Bible that really inspired me was when uh, Jesus uh, t- talked about, let this body of, of ours be a workshop of God. So similarly, in the, in the in the Bhagavad Gita, I explained that we can be an instrument in the hands of God. So that's a very important aspect of our life. If we start thinking that we are part and parcel of God, and we are godly by nature. Then we will not we will ab- abuse this body, and then we'll put this this body of ours in good use. and in our journey, in our spiritual path, will be enhanced, and and then will be focused in our goal, and we very determined and um, persevere in that respect. Um, and finally, death comes. Death is a last, uh, just like Passover. We just we just have this experience of Jesus' uh, re resurrection of Jesus and passing away of Jesus. In that sense, everybody has to. Uh, pass away one day and, and everybody has to leave this body and what state of mind we are leaving this body in what consciousness we are leaving this body what would be our feeling of that uh, at that time is there any, finish, fin- any feeling of accomplishment or are, are there any feeling of fulfillment when i'm leaving my body i'm say oh now i am done i'm ready to go uh, I'm, I'm satisfied, I'm happy to go. Those are different questions that we, be, we should be asking ourselves. So, that is our whole life what we've been doing in our whole life, what practices we've been doing, what spiritual um, uh, contribution we had, uh, whether in terms of our body uh, and our soul connection or with Avi in respect to other people. All these come back at the end. Uh, and uh, and then that determines how we are going to pass away, how what uh, how we're going to leave our body. So it's a preparation. It's this whole life. It's a lifetime preparation to leave our body at the end in by taking the God's name and the right consciousness. And that that's the whole what the whole purpose of spirituality is. I believe that it's this the ability to. To have a very wonderful uh, deaf experience at the end.
0: That that is a it's a very powerful reflection, uh, Naveen. That's uh, you can see Jonathan why I got so much from. Um... Sitting in that meditation session with <laughs> with him uh, a year ago, a year ago. Again, I'm taking notes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you know, one thing, just reflecting on that uh, uh, experience a, a little bit more, and and leaving uh, uh, another uh, five star review for for Navin's uh, meditation sessions. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things that I walked out of 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 that experience was number one, the I think the breath that you were talking about, Naveen, the importance yeah. on focusing on the breath and the practice of, 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 of bringing your, your physical condition in alignment with your spiritual condition so that you're mm. sitting up straight, so that your, your lungs can really fill all the way to capacity, um, that you can breathe deeply from the diaphragm um you know these are things that that i i don't know i just never had had I, I i guess i knew them on on some level but i never had had really taken the time to practice it and bringing that home into my own practice i realized that you know in the bahai tradition we have a certain mantra uh as well and you were encouraging us to um to use during that session, uh, it was it was uh, Hari Krishna. I think was the was the yeah. was the, the mantra, and <clears throat> and in the in the Baha'i tradition, we have a phrase that we're supposed to say nine to five times every day, Allah Pa. and and so I I started chanting with that as my mantra because you know that has a personal significance to me, and just extending that you know doing it from the diaphragm every day. Um, over really extended as long as I could draw out the breath as we were practicing um, in your in your session. And sometimes it would be, you know, an hour that I would be just intoning um, that mantra to to get to the 95. And, and, and it felt like really a trans, not just transformative experience, but also transportive experience, because cool. I kind of felt like I was you know, I was moving through time and space and stepping out of that, you know, feeling like, oh, the day I I have such a different relationship with the day and with my surroundings, um, having breathed so deeply over such a sustained period of time.
1: Wow. Well. That's a that's a really connective experience. That's that's one. That, what's the what's the major fruit of meditation is to feel the connection between other living entities like the plant, the nature, and everything. But one wonderful thing that you mentioned is is about uh, the the names of God. See it, whether whether in Jewish tradition we have the name Hashem or in. Uh, christian tradition we have uh, 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 um, hallelujah or in what uh, in our tradition we have krishna or we have om mm. we have all these right. names they are they are so with spiritual potency uh, so they are not like ordinary material names and this in this age the lord invested all its energies in the name and that's 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 uh, experience and if you add that in your meditation just like you mentioned Jack, I'm very happy that you did that, and you can feel being transported, right? That's that's right. That's, that's, that's what happens. It's that you are raising your level of consciousness, and you're, you're going to get higher consciousness. So people usually they are the bodily platform, they are in a body conscious, and from a body conscious they come to come a soul conscious, and with soul conscious they come to a God consciousness. Mm-hmm. So through the names of the Lord. Together with breathing, the breathing technique really raise your consciousness to the highest platform, which is at the godly level, which we yeah. actually really really belong, and this is where our journey ends in the spiritual world. So, from the material world to the spiritual world, we can be just like you may, just like you've been uh, saying this word, transported. Yeah. Right, so you transcend because that's why it's called transcendent meditation. We we transcend from the lower moods, from the lower consciousness to the higher consciousness, and we enter the world, the spiritual world, God's world.
0: Jonathan, I'm curious. I'm curious for you if there are, you know, I I I hear about you know Hail Mary, for example. As I guess, do you ever consider that as as a sort of a mantra, you know, it, this sort of short prayer that's repeated over and over. Do you ever have that association with it? Usually, usually I hear it in a punitive sense—that <laughs> you have to say the Hail Marys over and over and over again. But I wonder if, if in your experience, you've ever used it as 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 a way to sort of focus and meditate your in your prayer experience.
2: Yes, thank you. And in, um, I was just talking about this last week. I'm I'm doing a. A Bible study or sort of small group study with some uh, other married men during this season of Lent. It's oh, been very great. life-giving. And and one of the things we're reflecting on is the person of Saint Joseph, the 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 husband of Mary, father of Jesus, um, because Pope Francis has, has sort of set Saint Joseph as um uh the patron of this year. He's declared a year for Catholics, a year of Saint Joseph to reflect upon him. Um and you know, and in, what's interesting about him is Joseph doesn't say a single word in the Bible. There's not one place in in the scriptures where we hear what Joseph says. And so he is this silent contemplative figure um, that is not, you know, not set apart, not checked out, but deeply checked in um, to this. And so, you know, I think that the reflection on meditation and or in as we sometimes talk about in the Christian tradition, contemplation. Um, is really transcending uh ordinary even even transcending words, um, but just getting to that being with and I loved um, Naveen, how you had talked before about uh that you know meditation is natural for us it's you know it 's about being in the present it's it, what, what it made me think of is how meditation and prayer are not primarily productive the The goal is not to accomplish something or to improve something. I think our American sense of life. Means that everything has to be productive or have a goal um, to get something out of it, and, right. and I think some people even turn prayer into that. Like right. prayer will make you right. feel better, prayer will make you less stressed, and and those may be true things. Um, but primarily, as we I think develop in the spiritual life, we realize that it's not for myself that I pray. It's to, it's to be to be gift, and we see our we then see ourselves as gift. But but to your question, Jack, yes, it's 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 very deep in the. The Judeo-Christian tradition, as you probably know, um, to have these sort of mantra prayers. Um, you know, the Psalms in the Old Testament were, you know, before people had books for thousands, thousand plus years, were memorized and and repeated. And so, the many of the Psalms um, are are phrases and things that people would would memorize. Within the Christian tradition, the, the Eastern tradition, um, there's something called the Jesus Prayer, which is a, a very simple ma- mantra: "Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner." That's repeated over and over with with prayer beads. Um, the Hail Mary is is very similar in terms of having prayer beads that you sort of get into a rhythm of saying something. And I and I've read many things where people where people are encouraged just to say the name of Jesus over and over again, Jesus, Jesus, just in into sort of. I think as you were talking about Naveen, to really be attentive to breath, to quieting oneself, and just to using any sort of phrase of of scripture. Um, it, or that comes that God puts in our hearts to reflect upon
0: that's really beautiful i i'm I'm happy to hear that um I, you know i I think that the the um so oftentimes we hear about a lot of the the form and ritual and and not as much of the you know somewhat mystic connections between these different traditions um and, and to hear about that that synchronicity between that practice, you know, I think it speaks to a a fundamental truth, you know, to um, really validating what what, what Naveen is, is, is saying, affirming what it is that you're saying, uh, Naveen, you know, and, and and seeing how, you know, actually there are there are, although it may it may look different in in the Christian tradition, actually, it, it, from what you described, Jonathan, it, it may actually not look different, but but really the things that are different are the, um, are the words uh, that we use. Um, but if we can look past uh, language um, and really focus on the spirit of the words that's being said, um, we we understand that we're fundamentally aspiring towards the same. Goal That that connection um, that both of you that both of you uh, spoke about. Um, well, this has been this has been so great. I, I think as we as we start to wrap up here, um, I'm I'm curious for each of you. You know, we're we are uh, as as we said around the, the dinner table the other day, we're just, you know, we're we're full on into spring here. <laughs> it really <laughs> feels like like spring um is is with us and it's such a beautiful thing to to feel the warm days and and there's you know a, i think a, a good deal of of hope um uh for for positive change uh, as we're coming through the pandemic at least we can be you know cautiously optimistic um so i'm curious for for each of you um last sort of reflections of 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 how you would encourage folks um, during this, this opportunity and moment for rebirth uh, and another chance to do better in the year ahead. Naveen?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh one message for all the listeners is, is to To be always uh, feel connected with your very own self inside, and uh, look for sources of inspirations, sacred scriptures, or have the power to inspire us, and adopt a a type of uh, practices like uh, it can be any from any tradition. Uh, uh, But since I'm from the Vedic tradition, I would encourage people to try some meditative techniques in their lives and become more regulated and uh, in this way uh, become a better person and more productive and give your 100% to whatever you're doing in your life. And uh, I think uh, spirituality is is a very Crucial cultiv- cultivating cultivating yourself spiritually is very crucial for you to be able to be a very productive person in the society. And for lots of people, for them to give the hundred percent, I think uh, they have to really adopt a spiritual life, spiritual way of living.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Naveen the two things that stick to with me that that i want to practice and encourage others to as well the first is that as you know our tendency in our culture is to just move on um constantly to move to the next thing and this last year has been really heavy and i think with increased vaccinations and entering into a new you know way of life in this next year i think the tendency can just be to set things aside and just to quickly move on and i think um maybe one spiritual reflection is um, to really sit with what's been what's been learned, what's what's being taken away from this season, I, I think in particular in my own life of I've gotten to know the names of more of my neighbors as we've been uh, you know rooted in our home mm, and neighborhood yeah, more. I hope that I hope we don't move past that and and stop to have those conversations because we now can go out in public more. You know that I, I think there are lessons that have been cultivated right. in this quiet time, not always easy lessons, but things that that really ought to stick with us. Um, questions of the meaning of life, life and death. Why are we here? You know, that we should engage those questions and ask, ask people about them, you know, asking people, tell me about the story of God working in your life and, and listening, like Naveen talked about, really listening to people and listening to our own hearts as well, but just to not to move on um, to the next shiny thing, um, but to really sit in this season and, and the lessons that have come from it.
0: Dear listener, that's a wrap on this week's Interfaith-ish. I want to again thank my guests, Jonathan Lewis, and Pandit Naveen Krishna Das. As always, a big thanks to my fellow interfaith astronauts Miranda Hovemeyer and Sue Katz-Miller, and to our musical maestro, Jeff Philosopher, for providing our theme music. Uh, you can find our entire back catalog of Interfaith-ish episodes wherever you find and enjoy podcasts. Um, you can follow us on social media at Interfaith-ish and like our content. And like I said at the beginning of the show, be sure to join me tonight on Instagram Live for the final installment of my monthly conversation series with friends from all sorts of backgrounds exploring the mystic text of the Baha'i Faith, The Hidden Words. I'm also going to hopefully collect the audio and put it on our podcast feed, so look for that alongside this episode very soon. And we want to hear more about what you've learned from our shows, dear listeners, so please keep writing us with the interfaith-ish you wish to dish at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Interfaithish will be back in two weeks. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org.